insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Your hosts are Joseph and Madison Whalen, a father and daughter team making their way through the challenges of the teenage years. Welcome to Insights into Teens, episode 79, Back to Remote Schooling. I am your host, Madison Whalen, and my co-host, Joseph Whalen. Thank you, Maddie. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing better than how I was on Thursday. What happened on Thursday? I had a bit of stuff done on my mouth. It was my orthodontist appointment. I got my appliance out, but I got a more I got a lot more brackets on the teeth that didn't have brackets before, so that's fun. Well, you know, we should probably have another podcast revisiting where you're at with your braces, since hmm, that's what kicked I, off this entire podcast series. Hmm, I wonder. Stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> okay, so today we are going to be talking about going back to school in 2020. Now, as we all know, with the whole pandemic going on, things are going to be very different. Um, schools have gone back, and we've seen the results, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, we are going to look at what the return will be like during COVID-19, um, and then we will look at... And then we will look at what schools are doing to make it safe for kids during the COVID-19 pandemic... And finally, we're going to look at how my school is going to be coping with the pandemic. All right. So let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll get right into it. All righty. So um, for our first segment, um, all the information I found um, we have is found on a website called www.com. UNICEF.org, right? UNICEF. United yeah. Nations Children's something something something. <laughs> okay. So, life during the pandemic has been difficult for parents and children alike. The return to school is a very important step in the journey, but many parents and students have questions concerning this year. Here's some helpful here's a bit of helpful information of the recent of just recent information we found. I think I said that way too much. <laughs> That's fine. So okay. so before we get into this, one of the things that's worth talking about was the apprehension that Mommy and I had about you going back to school. Mommy and I are, are very conscientious when it comes to the COVID stuff. You know, we're doing curbside delivery and no contact delivery for groceries. We're trying to limit our exposure in public places. We're doing you know, wearing masks and doing all that stuff. We're kind of doing everything we can to make sure we don't bring it into the house. But when the prospect of you going back to school came up, mommy and daddy were very much against the idea because there's no, we didn't have any confidence that the schools were going to be able to protect you at the time. So the first thing we looked at was what our remote schooling options were. 
just to keep you kind of in the bubble that you're in right now and keep you safe until there's a vaccine or there's some kind of verified treatment for it or something like that. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we are going to talk about today are options that mommy and I had explored when the prospect of you going back to school came up. So why don't you tell us what, how, when, and what will happen when school reopens? Okay, so there are a number of questions that parents have asked, and um, the website lists a few of those most common questions and the answers that they were able to find. So when and how will sco schools reopen? We are slowly seeing an increasing number of students going back to school. 105 of a total of 134 countries, 78%, have, clo have closed schools and have decided on a date to reopen their schools. 59% um, of those 105 countries have already reopened schools or planned to of, of late August 2020. So we can tell that some schools are trying to go back and some schools have had to close down due to the fact that um, the cases of COVID-19 and their students have been rising. Yeah, in fact, uh, Georgia, most, most a lot of southern schools go back to school before we do here in New Jersey, Georgia being one of them. And there was one particular school district in Georgia who by the second day had had their first confirmed case of COVID. Now, obviously, the person who was diagnosed with it didn't get it on the second day. They came into school with it, but it just showed how fragile the environment is. And then uh, Georgia itself saw a 137% increase in the number of COVID-19 infections in school-aged children within the first two weeks of opening, which is just reinforces the concern that mommy and I have. Yeah, I can understand that. Given the difficulty of the situation, countries are in different stages regarding how they reopen schools. When deciding whether to reopen schools, authorities should consider the benefits and risks across education, public health, and socioeconomic factors. Did I say that right? Economic. Socioeconomic. Economic. Okay. Uh, the best interest of every child should be at the center of these decisions using the best available evidence. So, basically, for um, states that haven't yet reopened their schools, um, we need to take into consideration the health risks and the available education for all the students. And I think one of the problems that we're running into here is we're getting mixed messages from different authorities. So you have one line of thinking where you don't want to expose kids to COVID. You have another line of thinking that says, oh, well, the kids are less likely to, to uh, get infected and die from COVID. Well, then the counter argument to that is, well, they can become carriers and bring it home to elderly grandparents and parents and people of high risk. So there's a super spreader problem. Then when you talk about the health of students, there's a debate about what the mental health effects are of the remote learning and whether or not that outweighs the potential physical effects of the exposure to COVID. So there's a lot of moving variables here, a lot of different factors that people are trying to take into consideration. Uh, the one thing that I will point out is that 
people have been homeschooling children for decades now. And homeschooled children, while they do get exposure socially to other kids, either in their study groups or through other organizations, they generally come out pretty well adjusted, just like the rest of the kids. So it's difficult for me to accept the concerns people have that, well, if my kid doesn't go back to school, it's going to have an adverse effect on them. Conversely, on the other side of the coin, there are parents who don't have the luxury of working from home or being a stay-at-home parent who have to go to, to work. And the question comes, do you leave your kid at home? So, again, these are a lot of the factors that we're trying to deal with here. And, and really, we're just scratching the surface on some of these. Um, but I wanted to sort of surface those now as we look at these questions and we think about some of the answers to these questions. So, please continue. Alrighty, so the next question is, is it safe for my child to go back to school? Decisions on control measures in school closures and openings should be consistent with the decisions on other physical distancing and public health response measures within the community. Generally, schools are not opening in countries as an isolated action, but as part of a number of actions related to opening back the country, such as reopening factories and public transportation. It's crucial that all schools plan ahead and look at additional measures they can take to ensure that students, teachers, and staff are safe when they return. So, this is the whole thing with wearing a mask, social distancing, um, washing your hands, um, washing your hands regularly. Um, it's just um, in order so that no they can prevent the spread of the disease and stuff that not just the schools are doing, but like every small business is doing when you're supposed to go out. You need to wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, and stay six feet away from everyone. Yeah, and I'm seeing uh, even the same kind of impact on work, where at work we've got hand sanitizer everywhere. Not everyone's wearing a mask. I think I'm one of the few people in the front office that wears a mask. Uh, so that's kind of disappointing. But, you know, it's a f like just getting supplies at this point in time. You still can't get like Clorox wipes or something like that because they're in such high demand. You still can't get N95 masks because they're in high demand. And that's because a lot of businesses are buying them up now for their employees. Like we had invested in uh, several boxes of, of surgical style masks at work so that we could give them out to people should they want them. But, you know, one of the points that they bring up here is that they're not just flipping a switch and starting school everywhere. The school systems themselves are regionalizing themselves, almost by state. You know, like in the Northeast here, we have uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York are kind of coordinating their response because this was sort of where one of the central points of COVID was. So what you're getting is different policies across the board for reopening. And you kind of have to because it affected different regions differently. But the standards that you have going back to school are varying as well. And that's sort of what bothers me. Like one, some schools require masks for kids, other schools don't. 
Well, it only takes one person who's infected to start infecting other people. And you can infect up to, I think, 15 people in a 24-hour period, typically is what the average is. So I, I understand the need to have regionalized determinations of when to go back to school. But the safety standards that you have when you go back to school should all be consistent and across the board to be the most safe. Mm-hmm. So just my two cents on that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Going back to school will likely look very different from how it was before. It is possible that schools may open for some time before closing once again. Because of the evolving situation, authorities will need to be flexible and ready to adapt to ev- to keep to help keep every child safe. So, yeah, this is the whole thing with trying to be safe as well as um, opening and closing to better fit the situation um, on their behalf. And the other thing that's kind of concerning about this is you're, you're getting evolving instructions from authorities like the CDC and the federal government. Uh, they just revised their testing uh, suggestions where prior to last week they were suggesting that if you were exposed to someone even if you didn't have symptoms you should go get tested and they just recently changed that and said well you shouldn't get tested unless you have symptoms and i have to wonder why they would change that what the motivation was um, we're getting closer to the election Maybe we want to show fewer confirmed cases so that it looks better on the polling for one side or the other. Maybe we're coming into flu season and they want to try and restrict the supply of tests because they know they're going to have a surge. I don't know what it is, but it's something that concerns me as a parent because even as we establish standards now for how to be safe during this time period in school, those standards are changing on a fairly regular basis. And we need to make sure that when they change, they change for the right reasons. They change to make things more safe for the children and for all of us. And we need to make sure that those changes, if they are truly effective, are communicated. And I don't know, I'm concerned how that communication is going to happen. So that's just my two cents as a parent. Yep, I definitely agree with you on that, and I definitely would say if I was a parent, I'd definitely have to take in consideration with all that. Yeah. So what's our next one? Uh, The next question we have is, what precautions should the school be taking to prevent the the COVID-19 virus from spreading? School reopening should consider the country's overall COVID health response to help protect students, staff, teachers, and their families. Some things schools should consider doing are scattering the start and close of the school day. Staggering. Staggering. Not scattering. Sorry. You guys just come in whenever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Staggering meal times, moving classes to temporary spaces or outdoors, holding school and shifts to reduce class sizes. Water and hygiene facilities will be a crucial part of the school reopening safely. Administration should look at opportunities to improve hygiene, like hand washing, physical distancing measures, and cleaning procedures. The staff and teachers should also follow the new hygiene measures. So this is sort of 
you know, what we got from your school was a list of things that they're going to be doing and scheduling and stuff like that. So this, these recommendations here are fairly consistent with what the schools are doing. They're staggering the start times for the kids. They're changing your meal routines up. They're providing additional time for cleaning of touch surfaces and stuff like that. So a lot of what we talk about there is common sense stuff, and it's kind of a relief to see the schools actually taking up those measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely good to see that because then you know that the kids will be safer, and it help and it'll help prevent the spread so that not as many students would get the COVID nineteen, and hopefully, at some point, none of the students will get COVID nineteen. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, and the final question we have for this segment is. What should I do if my child has fallen behind? Students around the world have shown how much they want to keep learning. They have continued their lessons during hard times with the support of their teachers and parents, but many children will need extra support this year. Schools are making plans for catch-up days for students that are behind. This might include starting the year with a refresher or mid or re Remedial courses, remedial, remedial courses, after school programs, or um, submental assignments to be done at home. Given the possibility that many schools may not open full time or for all grades, schools may implant hybrid learning models. And hybrid learning is basically a mix between going into school and doing remote learning. And that's something that I'm not really sure helps the situation. When you do that, just because you're limiting your exposure to a few days in school with different people, the the risk is still there because you don't know where these other people are going. You don't know who they're associating with. You don't know who they're exposed to. So just because... I only have to sit in a room with you two days a week. That's two chances that you have to get to, to infect me if you've, if you're a carrier. So the whole idea of hybrid of, of part time home and part time in school doesn't solve the problem. It, it helps to limit the risk, but that hybrid itself. And I guess you have to kind of do. If you're trying to limit the people, and, and the purpose of it is to limit the scope of the exposure. So, for instance, if you're going to school five days a week and your school has 5,000 kids, that's 5,000 people every day you're exposed to. Whereas in a hybrid approach, and we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast, but the hybrid bridge, the hybrid approach that they're using your school is a different you get put into group A or group B and group A is in school for two days. Group B is in school for two days. So at that point in time, you are effectively cutting the number of exposure points in half. So uh, there is some merit to that, but the risk of exposure is still exceedingly high in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see why like you would want to choose the more remote um, idea and not send your child to school. Right, because, you know, a full-time in school, you may be exposed to 5,000 people. Pybridge, you may be only be exposed to 2,500. But it doesn't matter. You only need to be exposed to one person to get sick. And if there's one person in each of those groups, then you've completely eliminated any benefit that you have. Mm-hmm. 
Alrighty. So. Um, give your child, give extra support to your child at home by creating a routine around school and school work. This can help if they are feeling restless and have trouble focusing. You may want to contact your child's teacher or school to ask questions and stay informed. Be sure to let them know if your child is facing specific challenges so they can help. So this is sort of, if you're fully remote, you want your child to be on the same routine as they would be if they were in school so that they don't fall behind and it'll help for them to stay on track. And that's one thing that your school had done is they had sent out what your school schedule is going to be. And it's not just a suggested, hey, work on these subjects at these times of day. It's there's ones you actually have to sign into class now, you know, so that they can take attendance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good idea. And that was sort of what was lacking. That structure was what was lacking the tail end of last year with the work from home where it was. The teachers were almost overwhelmed. They didn't know how to handle it. And they would give assignments out that were your weekly assignments. And the kids had no schedule, no set routine. And too much freedom in that case is a bad thing because you get distracted easily. You can't focus on what you need to do. And being at home, there's enough distractions already. So the idea of the school giving you what your curriculum is and what your schedule is, I think, is a very good idea because it's going to help to, to get you back into that normal routine. And like we had talked about in a previous podcast, is one of the benefits that kids get from school is the sense of a routine that allows you to logically plan your day, organize your time. It gives you those periods to de-stress, to socialize. So there's a lot to be said for having that routine, and I think kids do benefit from that. And it's something that can be enforced remotely, and I think it'll work well. What do you think? I definitely agree like by the end of the school year there was no real structures and I learned that students weren't doing the work probably because there were way too many distractions or they just didn't want to do it and the teachers really had no way of stopping them so I definitely think that their new approach to it with having a set schedule that you need to um, at least sign in for so that you they can take attendance is definitely a much better structure than they had by the end of the year. Yeah, and I would I would tend to agree with you there. Alrighty, so that's the end of our first segment. When we come back, we'll talk about what schools are going to do to make it safe for kids in the COVID pandemic. Okay. For over seven years, the Second Sith Empire has been the premier community guild in the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. With hundreds of friendly and helpful active members, a weekly schedule of nightly events, annual guild meet and greets, and an active community both on the web and on Discord. The Second Sith Empire is more than your typical gaming group. We're family. Join us on the Starforge server for nightly events such as operations, flashpoints, world boss hunts, Star Wars trivia, guild lottery, and much more. Visit us on the web today at www.thesecondsithempire.com. 
So now we're going to talk a bit more about what schools can do to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So, um, all this information comes from another website called www.healthychildren.org. Um, so with the start of the new school year, a lot needs to happen so that students can learn and thrive without raising the risk of spreading COVID-19. The goal is having the children attend school in person which is how they learn best, will only be safe when a community when a community has the spread of the virus under control, and then when it is possible to reopen a school for in-person learning, a layered approach is needed to keep students, teachers, and, sa- and staff safe. So, um, students have... Um, been learning in person for years, but they've also been learning remote for years. But when students need to go into school, the schools need to take better approaches in order to prevent the spread of the virus. Wouldn't you agree? I would. And I think, you know, there are simple things that you can do. Like one of the things is your common indoor uh, entryways or your doors. You keep the doors open. If it's not a fire door and it doesn't need to be locked for safety or closed for safety, you leave the doors open. This way, people aren't touching doorknobs and spreading it that way. Basic hygiene of the of the things that you touch in your restrooms and stuff like that. Uh, we're not talking about complicated stuff. We're not talking about in, incredibly expensive measures that you have to take. We're not talking about, you know, bringing in hazardous materials handlers to 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 clean the school or, or anything like that you're really talking about simple stuff you know keep things clean you know the more disinfectant that are used on surfaces that people touch the better off you are wear a mask like there was a uh, statistic that came out today in a study that said that if 95 percent of americans would wear masks it would save approximately 65,000 lives to COVID-19 over the next year just by wearing a mask. So for me, it's, it's hard to understand why people refuse to wear masks if you're going to save other people's lives. Yeah, it makes you really think that some people can be really selfish. Like, they don't believe that the COVID, that masks will prevent, will prevent the spread. They believe that um, they don't believe that social distancing is the is a way to stop the virus. And it's just amazing to see how these people, there's a lot of evidence that proves one way and people can believe in the other. And and, just- and I think fundamentally the problem that we're dealing with is that the people that we look to for guidance and leadership here, are steering the public in the wrong direction. Um, You have certain elements of our leadership that have turned it into a political issue. And public health should never be a political issue. There is mountains of documentation of a scientific nature that tell you wearing wearing a mask is effective. Social distancing is effective. And yet, for some reason... Certain elements of our leadership refuse to either A, acknowledge it, or, or B, practice it. <clears throat> and as a result, 
the people that are loyal to that element start to use them as an example of why I shouldn't do these things. And then you've now taken wearing a mask from being a public health requirement to save lives and turned it into a political issue. It, it, trust me, it, it's not difficult wearing a mask. There are dozens of types of masks that you can wear. There are studies. There was one surgeon who wore 10 surgical masks layered on top of each other, ran a 5K and proved that there was no problem breathing through the masks. You know, it's an adjustment. And, and the thing is, if you don't feel comfortable wearing a mask, that's okay. Just don't go out in public. So I think we have a couple of things here that, that the schools themselves can do to try to help us along here. Yeah, so the first thing we have is physical distancing. The goal for students and adults is to stay six feet away from everyone to help, pre to help prevent the virus. However, researchers has found that spacing deaths at least three feet apart and avoiding close contact may have similar benefits, especially if students wear cloth face coverings and do not have symptoms of illness. Teachers and staff should stay six feet apart from other adults and from other and from students when possible. Teachers and staff should also wear fa clo cloth face coverings, limit in-person meetings with other adults, and avoid areas such as staff lounges. So, this is the whole social distancing. Um, staying six feet away from each other does prevent the spread of the coronavirus because, um. Research has found that um, human contact is the main cause of the virus and um, spreads the virus. That's correct. It, does, it can transfer via air, but it doesn't survive long in the air without being on a surface. I mean, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. What else do we have? Uh, next up, we have cloth face coverings and hand hygiene. All children over age 2 over age of two years, and all adults should wear f cloth face coverings that cover the nose and mouth to stop the spread of the virus. When worn correctly, cloth face coverings are safe to wear for long periods of time, such as during the school day. In addition, frequent hand washing with soap and water is important for everyone. Now this is with wearing a mask. Studies have shown that wearing a mask does help prevent the spread of you coughing or sneezing, and someone else getting the germs. This was most uh, effectively highlighted to me when I watched a documentary on this. And they took the head of a dummy and they had uh, piped in uh, a hose and they had it hooked up to a little diaphragm. And that diaphragm had liquid that glowed under a certain light. And they showed you with a background that when this sneeze or cough happened and there was enough force to expel the liquid out of the mouth, that it would travel, you know, five to seven feet in the air. And you could see that on camera. Then they were trying different types of masks and every type of mask that they tried was effective at limiting the amount of that liquid that gets out. Mm -hmm. So, it's very clear proof that putting something over your face other than your hand, if you cough or sneeze or, or talk or breathe, 
is effective at lowering the exposure of the people in the room around you. Yeah, and it's important to note that wearing a mask does not, like, stop you from getting it. It stops you from spreading it to everyone else. So whenever you're in a room wearing a mask and no one else is wearing it, you're not going to be safe. You, Everyone has to wear a mask in order to prevent anyone else from getting it. That's a very good point. You know, you wearing that mask is just you stopping it from spreading. That technique only works if a 95% of the population does that. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're in a room with 10 people and one person's wearing a mask, nine people could be spewing that virus around. If nine people were wearing masks, only one person spewing it around. So, I mean, it. I can't. I can't fathom another way to make make that point so clear. Yeah. Of how important wearing masks are when you're around other people. Exactly. Next up is classroom changes. To limit students student interactions outside the classroom, schools should consider having teachers move move between classrooms rather than having students fill the hallways during class passing periods. Allow students to eat lunches at their desk or in small groups outdoors instead of in crowded lunchrooms. Leaving classroom doors open to help reduce high-touch surfaces such as doorknobs. And like you said before, leave the doors open because touching the doorknobs is a very, is a very common thing that students do that is going to, that will continue the spread of the virus. So keeping the doors open would be safer. Absolutely. And the other thing that they point out here, which... Frankly, I haven't seen suggested in your school district, and that's to keep the kids all in one classroom and have the teachers change the classrooms. Now, how do you think that would have an effect on the way that you normally learn? Do you think it would work or not work? I mean, I would definitely think it would still work. Like, having the students walk through the hallways, especially when I was in middle school, it was very crowded, and, like, I couldn't get by without, like, bumping into someone. And, like, do you really want that going on? Like, even wearing masks, that's not social distancing. And having kids run through the hallways in order to get to the classrooms is definitely not the safest thing. And, like, having, like, a few teachers walking around the hallways in order to get to their next class uh, sounds sounds like it would be much safer and i definitely think you'd still be able to learn you just need to have all the equipment in one classroom and have like all your students be the same students they see every day i think you're right i think that approach is is while not foolproof it certainly is an improvement over what we're looking at yeah what else we got next up is testing and and temperature checks the cda cdc cdc sorry the CDC currently does not command COVID testing of students and staff. Testing only shows whether a person is infected at that specific moment in time and may not be useful in preventing outbreaks in school communities. Taking students' temperatures at school may also not be feasible, but you can do, but you can monitor your children's health at home and keep them home if they are not feeling well. Schools should frequently remind students, teachers, and staff to stay home if they have a fever of 100.4 degrees F or Fahrenheit or greater, to, or greater, or have any signs of illness. And I think this makes sense. It's it's difficult to expect the schools 
to do the testing or to do temperature checks or to keep an eye on the kids. There's just too many kids and not enough staff to do that. Yeah. So it's incumbent upon the teach the parents at home to help this process out by having the ability to do these tests. Not obviously a COVID-19 test. That's a little extreme. But you should know if your kid's showing symptoms, if they're running a fever, if, you know, anything is amiss where they might feel off. You need to know who you are exposed to. Have you been exposed to anyone who's had COVID? Has anybody else in the house? Like these types of contact tracing things and the temperature checks are the things that need to happen at home before you potentially send a child to school to get other kids infected. Yeah, and it's just like when you go out in general. Like if you're sick with, um, if you're sick or feeling any of the symptoms of the virus, then don't send anyone out because then you could potentially impact infect other people that you're around and then they can infect their families or anyone else that they are around at home absolutely so i would definitely say that it's on the parents at that point because the schools it's not the school's responsibility like they can try and um take the temperature but like like you said before there's not enough staff and there's way too many students in order to like do the testing or take the temperature yeah it's one of those things where you the responsibility of the safety of our kids still is with the parent. Schools can help. Businesses can help. The government can help. But ultimately, as a parent, I'm responsible for your safety. So I have to make sure that if I'm sending you to school, I'm sending you to school knowing in good faith that I have no reason to think that you're sick or compromised in any way. Because if I send you to school and you're sick, not only am I risking your health, now I'm risking the health of all the other people that you're exposed to. Mm-hmm. And as a responsible adult, I can't do that in good conscience. Yeah. So, speaking of exposure. <laughs> yep, that's our next topic, exposure. While current evidence suggests that students younger than 10 years may be less likely to become infected with with COVID-19, a less likely and less likely to spread the infection to others, schools still need to plan for exposures. If a student or staff member has close contact with someone known to have the COVID-19 infection, they should be quarantined for 14 days from the day they were in close contact. Close contact means being within six feet of the person for at least 15 minutes. A person is known to be infected if they have a leopard. Laboratory, laboratory confirmed infection or illness consistent with COVID-19. That's again, you know, you need to know if you're exposed. We had an incident at work where we had uh, two guys happen to go to a party on a weekend and came back. And I found out a few days later that somebody at their party was tested positive. They went, they got tested and they were positive, but there was a brief period of time uh, where they were in the office and could have exposed people to it. So contact tracing, which is what they refer this to this as, is knowing where you've been, who you've been in contact with, and who they potentially may have been in contact with. And the problem with that is the more people that you're in contact with in the more different locations, 
the more difficult it is to track where one of these outbreaks happen. So you may have been exposed to someone who may have been exposed to someone who may have been exposed to someone, but the person that you're exposed to was completely unaware of the exposure. Mm -hmm. So it makes it very difficult to track. So one of the things you can do is limit your exposure to other people and infection points. Yeah. And that's one of the things that the schools can do by doing these hybrid approaches, by having the teachers move classrooms. Um, there's lots of different ways putting the plexiglass uh, borders around desks and stuff like that for physical separation. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that you can do to, to try to improve this chance. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have symptoms at school. School nurses should take the temperature of anyone who feels ill during the school day, and there should be a significant era to separate or isolate students um, who are not feeling well. To stay safe, school nurses should use PPE, personal protective equipment, such as N95 masks, surgical masks, gloves, disposable gowns, and face shields. So... This is sort of going on to the temp, to the school, like taking the temperature at the beginning of every day. If a student isn't feeling well and the parents didn't notice, they should go to the school nurse and have the school nurse check them. And I definitely agree with the fact that they should have areas where anyone who is infected should just um, sit for a little until their parents come to pick them up. I agree. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. And finally. We have cleaning and disinfecting. Schools should follow CDC guidelines on proper disinfecting and sanitizing classrooms and common areas. Um, this is what um, my school was doing. Um, they're planning on having um, the beginning of every day a good cleaning, at the end of every day a good cleaning, and one whole day with a giant massive cleaning. Yeah, so... so. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll discuss what school looks like for you at your school. Alrighty. Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Our husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. We'll look at the interesting and obscure entertainment news of the week. We'll talk about theme park and pop culture news. We'll give you the latest and greatest on pop culture conventions. We'll give you a deep dive into Disney, Star Wars, and much more. Check out our video episodes at youtube.com backslash insights into things. Our audio episodes at podcast.insightsintoentertainment.com or check us out on the web at insightsintothings.com. So I kind of threw this segment in at the end here myself because I thought it was Important to talk about what your school's doing and how it's going to affect you directly. Because I think it may not affect other kids the same way that it affects you, but I think all kids are going to be affected by it. And I think it's worthwhile to have the discussion of how you feel about how it's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. So your school's going on 
right now the the first I think month they said it's going to be all remote. Is that correct? Yep. Um, even if you are going to be going into school two days a week, um, the first month is going to be fully remote, and no one's going to be going to school for the first month. Okay, so so they're taking that extra precaution of all right, let's get remote schooling going for everybody. Let's not bring anybody in. This way, if something happens, everybody's set to do remote schooling at that point. Yeah. But if everything works out and they go back, they start going back to school, they're going to be doing a hybrid approach, right? Yep. So you've got four groups. You've got A, B, C, and R, which makes me wonder who does the alphabet at your school. (laughs) So A would have you going in... Which days? I think it would be Mondays and Thursdays. Um, and then B would be? Tuesdays and Fridays. And then C would be every day in except Wednesday. Yep, because Wednesday was supposed to be the whole giant cleaning day. So it's worthwhile to point out here that that approach is stupid. And I'll explain why. So if you have your first group come in on Monday and Thursday and your second group comes in Tuesday and Friday, then anybody who came in with infections with with anything on Monday would have contaminated the area on Tuesday, which is then cleaned on Wednesday. So if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you have group A come in Monday and Tuesday keep the exposure to that group alone, then clean on Wednesday, and then bring in your second group and keep their contaminations within themselves, and then clean on the weekend so it's clean for group A to come back in. Mm. So that's why I think it's kind of silly. The C group, which is in four days during the week, is exposed to everything, but these are mostly going to be special needs kids, I assume, who really don't flourish very well with remote learning and kind of need that hands-on approach mm-hmm. and then r so you're r yep the way we declared you what is r in this case r is meant to stand for remote learning like no matter what you're not going into school the whole year you're doing fully remote so the advantage that we have is that we uh, have a parent who is going to be home Uh, Mommy is, for the foreseeable future, working from home. Now, we're fortunate that we have that arrangement. There's a lot of less fortunate families out there that don't have the luxury of keeping a parent at home. So I I feel for those parents. Like, what do you do? Yeah. And one one of my employees down in Maryland is in that situation where He and his wife have to go to work, and they have a young child. And their school system is shut down, so they have to send him somewhere. They had to put him in a private school. Now, fortunately, that private school is limited in size. The classrooms are very small, so it's a lot easier to maintain a high hygiene there. Um, But there's a lot of parents out there that are less fortunate than us, so we've we've been very fortunate with that. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we talk about remote learning, what are some of the technologies or techniques that they're using now that enable remote learning? 
Well, from what we learned from the packet that they sent us online, is that the people who are, everyone who's doing remote, since everyone is going to be remote, is going to be using, um, Canvas. Um, before we used to use Google Classroom a lot, and only really my ELA class started using Canvas. So what's Canvas? Um, Canvas is sort of similar to Google Classroom. They even described it as the older brother. So Canvas is meant to be a place where you can put assignments on, there'd be a specific time, and I'm assuming that they'd be able to take attendance on it for different classes. Um, at least that's what I heard, because they are going to be taking attendance, making sure that everyone who's remote schooling is doing their lessons. So so what do you think are some of the challenges that you're going to run into with this, this system of remote learning? Well, I think that... Um, First up, the stress that the students might feel, like, they'd be so, sort of stressed if, like, they're at home and they might feel stressed that they have to get off of their classroom at a certain time in order to be, um, in order to be, um, seen as not absent for another one of their classes. And I know that some students can finish up early, but there are a lot of students that don't have enough time for that and might have to, um, say, um, do more work after they finish up with all their classes. And I'd imagine that that won't be as, um, as good as just finishing a class and then going onward. Right. Because I know a lot of students don't like doing homework. Another thing is the distractions. We talked about this earlier. There's a lot of distractions at home and students have the potential, the potential to procrastinate. And I wouldn't, th and a lot of students might not do well in school if they don't get on their lessons and just procrastinate with all their work, causing more stress on them and, um, causing their, um, performance at school to go down. So there's a lot of challenges to come with remote learning because, um, unlike going into school, you can't, you can't tell that a student is fully on, line unless they log on and make sure that they're online. It's not as easy because um, most teachers take attendance at class and need to um, know uh, and can see um, the empty seats. Um, but it's slightly harder online because there's a lot of ways to uh, fake that you're online and right. some students who don't want to do the work probably just pretend to do the work and well, and I think ultimately in the end whether you're in class or you're working remotely if you're not learning and you're not doing the work and not producing it comes out in the end in tests or deliverables yeah and that's the same way the real world works yep so you mentioned going from from one class to another and having to log in let's Talk about what the schedule looks like and, and how they're going to keep you to a schedule. Yeah, so we, um, whenever, when the packets were released, everyone had gotten a schedule. And we had had schedules before when the school year first started. Like, my first, I first had to go to homeroom, then I went to math for two periods, then I went to science, lunch, all that stuff. So they actually had a similar schedule. Um, and my schedule is mainly the same, except my two final classes, which were PE and ELA, were switched. So now I have ELA for 7th and 8th period and physical education for my final period. 
So my schedule is kind of the same, and I think that most of the other students have similar schedules as me. So so now how is it going to work? Is there a, a sign-in sheet? Is there a checkbox? Or you just have to log into the Google Classroom or the, the Canvas, and they can see that you're online? I'm still trying to figure that out. I think it's more of log in, do the work, and over a certain period of time they might mark you in, but... I really don't know. They didn't fully describe it. All right. So we'll learn how that is in the first week or two, I'm sure. What about transportation? Prior to isolation and quarantine, you were taking the bus to and from school. How is that going to look? Obviously, being remote, you're not going to have to deal with it. But how are our kids who are going in going to deal with that? Are they... Are they packing the same number of kids on a bus? Are they running more buses? Do we know anything about what they're doing transportation-wise? Well, they definitely recommended that parents should be taking their children into school because you got to think that um, the buses aren't just used at the middle school. They're used at, like, the high school, and the buses can be used in, like, other schools. And, um, honestly, that's just a health risk reading to happen. Like, they could clean the buses and limit, like, the people on the bus But I don't see that as very effective, so they definitely recommend that parents would take their kids to school. But unlike our, but there are a lot of families out there like ours whose schedules don't meet with our school schedules. Like, I mean, you guys can somewhat drop me off. Um, Mommy even goes into work early um, after driving me to um, the bus when we when I rode the bus to school. But picking me up, um, I finish out like hours before you guys are done with work so a lot of parents don't have schedules that meet with the school schedules like when I went to elementary school I had to go to before and after care because you got because the schedules didn't meet with your schedules and I'd imagine other parents have that problem as well yeah I'm sure so we've got a couple minutes left here and and I kind of just sort of wanted to open this up to an open discussion and I'm curious, this is very strange. It's, I mean, everything we're going through is very strange, obviously. But the way that we're trying to get back to school and get back to our routines just off the wall and unprecedented. What are some of the things that worry you or that you're concerned about or you just don't have the answers to yet? Well, I worry about the younger kids. Like, and I worry about the parents that have to take care of the younger kids. Like, when I had to come home from school earlier than you guys, I was old enough to stay home for a few hours and um, do my work and you guys could trust me. But parents whose schedules don't meet with the school and have much younger children, it's much harder. And I can feel like how they're confused about everything and how they're way less fortunate than us at this point. And I can also imagine that there are some jerk kids that at school, even if you're trying to limit the contact, they'll, like, the jerks could, like, lick their hand, like, oh, coronavirus, and, like, you know, tease the other kids. And, uh, you know, that's not exactly what you want to happen, and you don't want your kid to be exposed to those kinds of people. And, like, also, like, all the health risks that have been going on, like, just, like, the physical and mental, like, overall, this whole thing is very emotional and confusing to everyone. Mm. And 
Not only do you have the physical health that's going on, but the mental and emotional as well. So there's a lot of things to worry about. And, um, like, for the younger kids and for the special needs kids who need that in-person contact, um, the parents are worried because they don't want their kid to be exposed to anyone with the virus and have them potentially bring it home to them or anyone who is um, of high risk of getting um, the virus. So there's a lot of worry that's going around. Yeah. So do you, with the situation we have now and the arrangement that we've worked out, do you feel safe with this? I mean... I prefer that everyone would do remote schooling for at least this year, but um, for what I'm doing right now, I do feel safe since I'm not going into school anytime soon, and um, I'm just going to be learning online. Although that may also come with some difficulties, at least I know that I'm somewhat safe. Um, but I, um, I'm just, I just feel as though all the schools should just do remote learning for the year. Um, and I and I agree. I think that's the safest thing to do. So I think that was all we had today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, I didn't put any plugs in here at all, which you know, I when I went over the notes, I really should have marked them up. I've been trying to put those in the beginning, but we'll throw them in the end here. We would love to hear from you. Give us your feedback at comments at insightsintothings dot com. You can catch all of our podcasts, our audio versions. As insights into teens on Apple, Spotify, and any of your podcast favorite podcast applications, you can get our video podcasts uh, for all of our shows as insights into things on all of your podcasts. We stream six days a week on Twitch, except this week when we're getting power work done. We were offline for a couple of days. You can catch us at Twitch.tv/slash Insights Into Things. We are at insights underscore things on Twitter. On Facebook, you can get us at facebook.com slash insights into things podcast. You can catch all of our long form articles on medium at medium.com slash insights into things. Am I missing something? Um, I think that was all the important stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good enough. What else do we got? Uh, don't forget to check out our other two podcasts, Insights into Entertainment, hosted by you and Mommy, and Insights into Tomorrow, our monthly podcast, hosted by you and my brother, Sam. That's correct. And just for the record, no script there. All that was off the top of our head, so I'm, I'm starting to remember these things. Yep. <laughs> we have an Instagram, too, but I don't remember what that is. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Another one in the books. Bye, everyone. Bye. You're over here this okay, time. I can't remember. And now, hang point. on. You're going to be over there. Ready? Wait. Yep.